Gay marriage is a thrill for me, and they come in the club, and I, I, I get emotional because they come into the club, and they have their uh, uh, two boys or two girls, and they have the bachelorette party, and I go, oh, I hug them because we work so hard for that. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution, serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Walter Cole. You might know him by his stage name, Darcel. Walter was born and raised in Portland, and in the 60s bought a tavern that became the Darcel 15 Showplace. He started dressing in drag shortly after he bought the tavern, and in 2016, Darcel was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's oldest drag queen. Actually, I got married before we left. We got married in May, and by September of that year, I was at my basic training. Where in Camp you? San Luis Obispo. Okay. And then did you serve overseas or were you, because it was oh, a no, Korean overseas. war. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. It was during the Korean war. So did you serve? I didn't see any war. I was in um, uh, headquarters, Yeah, which is the, the offices for the army. Well, that's good. In Livorno, Italy, which wasn't too shabby. And you came back. Came and you back. got a job at Fred Meyer. At Fred Meyer. But there was something, I mean, you started a few businesses. Well, what happened was I was working at Fred Meyer, and I worked up to management. We came back, and I was a box boy from the military. Mm-hmm. And then I worked up to management, and I was working six days a week, handing my checkers bigger checks because union, if they woke up in the morning, they got extra money. And then if they if they went to work for the night, they get much more money. So right. I was handing them checks bigger than mine. I said, I don't think this is going to happen. Right. I want to be on my own. Yeah. And so you started a coffee shop. I, uh, I bought a coffee shop that yeah. was going. Yeah. And I had the only espresso machine north of San Francisco. I saw that. And we have jazz and we had folk music. And if I heard one more Joan Baez song, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been all over. But I had that. And then, then Urban Newell comes along and took my building, so I, they paid me $5,000. That's a lot of coffee. That's a lot of coffee. And uh, so then I moved, and then I, we actually moved to another location right near the Keller, or then it was the auditorium, yeah. Pacific Auditorium, and then they wiped that out, so I got another $5,000. So, But in the meantime, I had, I opened, I had the Cafe Espresso, the coffee house, uh, after hours jazz in the basement of right. the same building, and I opened an ice cream parlor on 12th and Montgomery. Wow, you were busy. And still working at Fred Meyer? I worked for Fred Meyer when I, when I, when I first got the, the coffee house. I had two children. Mm-hmm. And my wife was a little concerned that we're going to go to the poor house. Right, right. <laughs> In those days, there was a poor house. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, okay. So I, I worked <laughs> I worked 7 in the morning until... Uh, 12 at Fred Meyer and then I we opened we opened uh, at 7 at night mm-hmm. until 1 in the morning oh geez hopefully you napped in between that's what I did yeah. in between it was funny because when I uh, interviewed Bud Clark he had the same thing happen with urban renewal by the Keller 
auditorium now where, you know, his business, he had a bar down there. They bought him out. He ended up at Goose Hall. What bar? I don't recall the name of the bar that he had there. What about the same time? If it, it was, was a, probably it was about the, the same time. Civic Auditorium. Yep. Yeah. And then those businesses all closed down because of Urban Renewal, right? Before yes, you bought yes. Demas. Yes. I got money for the coffee house when it went down. I, I was, went to the ice cream parlor and worked there, and then they gave me a letter saying it's all over. Mm-hmm. So I f- looked in uh, opportunity, business opportunities, yep. and found a bar for sale. Right. And uh, a tavern. And it was in Skid Road then. Right. Not Old Town. It was on 3rd and Davis. You know, I didn't mind the winos because by 8 o'clock in the morning, they're asleep. They're not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I jumped in. I talked to Mr. Nato, who owned the property, and he said it's going to be called Old Town one of these days, and I'm working on getting it upgraded. And yeah. and so there was one, two storefronts. The da- tavern is one storefront, mm-hmm. and next door was an empty Skid Row restaurant that had closed. Right. So he said, uh, rent them both. I said, okay. I'll rent them both. I said, you gotta put a door in. He said, no, no. If you, I put a door in, I gotta get a permit. You put a door in. So I cut a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone so he can't get any trouble anymore. Exactly. And, uh, and uh, he charged me $200, $100 per, per place. $100 for the tavern, I'm gonna charge for the other room. Okay. For $200 for 15 years. Wow. He finally sent me a letter, he said, Mr. Cole, I have to raise your rent to 300. <laughs> that is a deal. I mean, I would imagine, you know, starting out a new business, it's still an expense, but how many years was that? That the rent stayed that same? Oh, yeah, 15 years. 15 it was, years? It was, very, it was very good because, yes, because um, none of my friends would come across Burnside. Right. It was unheard of. Right. So I hired a, a wonderful person named Papa Scott, a lesbian lady who was just marvelous, yeah. a bartender. And we were a lesbian bar for years until, until the area got you know put together. Yeah. And then my friends had come over from out uh, southwest, and we put their shows on for the, for our friends that were there already. The ladies loved it, and we had a great time. It was very three of us: my partner Roxy and Tina Sandell and myself, on a four by eight uh, banquet table in the <laughs> corner of the room with a home. Hi-fi. Right. You put your records on. You know the record goes, <laughs> and until it found its way. Right, right. And we, we didn't have a spotlight or any lighting, so on the popcorn machine in the end at the back of the room, we put a slide projector. You don't even know what those are. I know. What is oh, slide projector? Okay. I remember. Well, not anymore. No. Uh, and the slide projector, if you tipped it, the light globe would go out. We didn't have an operator. We couldn't afford an operator. Right. So whoever was in the audience, they could come and aim it. If, and then I'd see that. <laughs> oh no no and it would be in the dark <laughs> anyway it was a wonderful time i learned my craft and um uh then oh we put built a stage and opened the, uh, had the we opened the wall actually mm-hmm. it's so funny we tore that wall down night after night after one o'clock see we, <laughs> a little bit bit by bit. bit now we put in plastic this big black plastic bags yeah and we found a dumpster not ours somebody <laughs> else's and um uh, we got the wall down, yeah. and then to take the posts out, we had to have, a, a, of course, a beam put yeah. in. Whose idea was it to start dancing on the table and doing the, the shows? 
Was it Roxy's? It, was it, it was Roxy's or mine. It was kind of a combination. I I was locally in in at that time. I was doing the the, the drunkard right. melodrama. You were doing theater. And um, once you do the drunkard, nobody you know. Once you see one of those, it's over. I'd been in local theater, Mark Allen Players, mm-hmm. uh, Firehouse Theater, Civic Theater. So I had the stage thing, but I was I wore a suit. I was always a doctor, an attorney, <laughs> or a lawyer <laughs> in all the plays. That I never was a real ca- different kind of a character. Yeah. So I took my suit off and put a dress on. Mm-hmm. I'd never done it before. Okay. I, our friend Tina was doing little shows every now and then someplace. She was already yeah. dressed. But Roxy was uh, uh, at the Hoyt Hotel. He was dancer a dancer. at the Hoyt Hotel. Yeah. When they closed, he came and joined us. So I said, well, come and join us and be a, a, a waiter. We always served was beer and wine. Yeah. In lies the problem. <laughs> he couldn't figure out which, what is it, beer or is it wine? Well, I said, you're the worst waiter I've ever had in my entire life. So I think it's to put, time to put you on the stage. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And she, he, he worked for years on the stage until he had a heart attack. And, had to retire. Yeah. And so you started off on these, uh, you know, tables, essentially. Oh, yeah. But we start, we built a stage. And I then built you a built stage. a stage uh, and eventually open it up. Now, there was, and I didn't know about this, an Imperial Sovereign Rose Court of Oregon. Uh, it's the uh, nation's oldest uh, LGBT organization. And they have uh, regular pageants, regular yes. drag pageants. Yes. 1973... You, I won. Uh, you won. I won. And uh, at this point, you had been doing performances for about a half a dozen years or so? It, yes, about, well, since, oh, a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little more than that. And so you entered and won. And won. And won. I lost the first time. Oh, though. did you? Yes. Was it like the year before yes. or a few I years was ago? very glad because it, was, it would have been Empress 14 and that doesn't have a ring to it. <laughs> well, and I... I'm Empress 15. I know, and I didn't realize that... Darcel 15, because I've always just referred to it as Darcel's, but Darcel 15 is because you were the 15th right. pageant winner. And so that totally made sense to me. But, um, you did your homework. I did, I did a little <laughs> bit of homework. Yes, I did. So at that point, you decided to change the name of the club. I didn't change the name until after I stepped down from being Empress. So it's a year. Because I didn't want the community to think, okay, you ran, you won, because you could bring people in. And I didn't have any uh, functions at my bar either until mm-hmm. after I stepped down. Tell uh, tell the story about how you uh, landed on the name Darcel. Oh, Roxy worked in Vegas. Well, they called me any, every every name you can imagine. Nice, nice names. names. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, now Roxy and, we, and my friend Mame, we sat in the booth in the afternoon, and we were still beer and wine. Yeah, and we had a beer, and he, and they. Well, now you've got to have a name. If you're going to continue this, you have to have a name, right. a real name. Now, in the first place, you're too large and too overjeweled and too much hair to be called Mary or Alice. Right. So let's think of a name. A big so name. Roxy worked with Denise Darcel in Vegas, a 50s B performer mm-hmm. uh, in movies from France. So I said, Darcel. That sounds good to me, but all three of us agreed, and and we ch- added another L in it and an E on the end, mm-hmm. and uh, became Darcel. And now it's worldwide. Exactly. But the the thing that's so funny is that that we just kind of out of the sky comes this Darcel, and I got to meet her. Oh. She was in Seattle at a, in a play with Maxine Andrews, mm-hmm. the Andrews sisters, who worked at our club. So 
Andrew, Maxine called me and said, we're in Seattle, come to the show. So we drove up to the show yeah. and we met her and she was a doll. Oh, that's awesome. Really sweet. That's she nice. lived in Missouri. I said, how do you live in Missouri? She said, my husband has a train car. You, you know, the, yes. just a car. And they, we hooked the car on wherever we want to go. <laughs> I said, you did well, my dear. And so, so funny, back just a little bit because it's kind of funny. They were, they were together when he was in the military during mm-hmm. the occupation in France. And they'd go to the same bar and then they got together and they were friends and whatever. And so after the war, he came back and they accidentally met in the bar and the rest is history. Oh, that's Not neat. That is a, great a neat story. story. So he's an American, but they met over. Yeah. That is a neat story. You started off, and I don't know if you still do, uh, but you started off making your own I still costumes. make my costumes. You still? Uh-huh. I, I make mine and I make the production number costumes. Not the, 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 all, the all the showgirls. Yeah. Make it get, make or buy their own costumes right. Are you for their numbers. Self taught, because making oh, clothing. self taught. Yeah, making machine. clothing's not easy. For the first one, I took a piece of fabric that I got somewhere in town, laid it on the floor, and cut it out like a dress, mm-hmm. and sewed it up, and that was it. And it, the, it was three hundred dollar fabric. And Roxy said, "You, what are you doing? That's three hundred dollars worth of fabric." I said, "I don't care. I've got to start someplace." Wow. Wow. And so I made a costume every week because we'd had, we'd start with nothing. Right. I, I mean, I sew, but and I only make a few clothing items for myself, and that's why I say making clothing is not I make them only easy. for myself yeah. and production numbers because yeah. inside, don't look at the inside. Right, exactly. But to to cut up that expensive fabric oh, yeah, would have made it, me it nervous. It was pretty good. Yeah. And then you you also make your own accessories as well. I used to, but... yeah. Um, Used to be toilet paper rollers, not the kind you have at home, right? But in commercial, they're enough to go over your hand, and I covered them with uh, rhinestones, and they were my bracelets. Oh, that's awesome! A person has to do what they got to do. You got to do what you got to do. You got to you got to be creative. (laughs) You and I saw the the um, the piece that you did a kind of a documentary where you talked about being behind the sewing machine was was your was your place. Well, it's my. I, I, I settle down, I go to my sewing room, even if I, I don't have anything to do, I pick a piece of fabric and make, make something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the same it's way. It's where I get away from the worries of the world. Exactly, and so I bet you enjoy making those every week. Yeah. That is neat. The I never use a pattern, by the way. I'm, I bow to you. I mean, I, am, <laughs> I have a hard time following well, patterns. The only but... dress I ever made for a pattern mm-hmm. <laughs> was, I won the election in, <laughs> and I made a cape with it, and I used the pattern, and it was ugly, see? It wasn't what you but wanted. But the back looked really good, so I turned it around. Didn't you really? The zipper was in the front, and it had a little, a little V, right. and it was much better than the back. Oh, that's fantastic. That is awesome. <laughs> that is good. So in the 70s, uh, and it was probably around the time that you renamed it Darcell's, it became, you know, quite a popular place for performances. Well, y- yes, a, a friend of ours who now is a friend, her name is Susan. She wrote an article for Willamette Week mm-hmm. about the best kept secret, Susan Stanley, yeah. and best kept secret in Portland, and the doors open. And, well, everyone goes. And now, there there was a, a f- small clip. I think some people came in from Florida and did did about it, 
10 minutes, a four minute, turned out to be a four minute, put makeup on, look around, talk about something. Mm-hmm. Five million, a hundred thousand views. Wow. I'm, I'm viral. You are viral. viral. In the best way possible. <laughs> and, and when I went to London, I, I, you know, met people that from all over and we, people from all over the world. That's well, fantastic. that's just. Uh, social media. I mean, right. come on, right. it, 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 wake, it wakes everybody up. It allows you to extend your reach yeah. uh, in so many ways. Well, you were recognized two years ago in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's oldest drag queen. We mentioned that earlier uh, at 86. Uh, and then uh, you met... Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, and then you met the second oldest. Not necessarily, just oh, really? in London. Oh, just in London. I don't know. There might be somebody. There might be somebody But obviously there. they're not... I've not been dethroned, th- dethroned yet. No, no, you still got, you still got uh, years <laughs> to keep going with that record. You're listening to King's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Walter Cole in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Walter Cole. You might know him by his stage name, Darcel. Walter was born and raised in Portland and in the 60s bought a tavern that became the Darcel 15 Showplace. He started dressing in drag shortly after he bought the tavern and in 2016, Darcel was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's oldest drag queen. You did a performance a few years back. It was a one-man show uh-huh. where you talked about your life and growing up. Um, and it came, the inspiration came from a book that was written about your life. My Is book. that correct? Yeah. yeah. That, again, I, I, I did not see the whole performance, but I have seen clips of it. And um, particularly one part where you describe discovering that your mother had died. My death of my mother. Right. And I would imagine not just the writing of the book, but the performance as well. It's a departure from what you have been doing for 50 well, I did years. Well, I did it with, in, in men's clothing. Right. I didn't put, because I wanted people to know this is my story, right. not ha, ha, ha. Right, and it was very much your story, yeah. and the, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. What was that like, being up on stage telling your story? The first night, my family was all there, yeah. my wife and my children, and I say things in it that changed my life. That right. I, when I decided I was going to come out and and uh, make my life what I really needed to be mm-hmm. and do. And uh, uh, so that night it was a little difficult because yeah. I had my daughters and and her t- daughters and uh, emotional. They were in tears, tears of joy, and not 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 not. Regret or no. sad, no, just tears of joy, and um, I read, I did thirty performances, I think, mm-hmm. and um, and the we stopped for a while, and I we re- refreshing the lines, and the director was there, Sharon Noor, and Roxy was the only people in the audience, and I got to the part about my father, mm-hmm. and I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. The crying, or the, I had to—I fell right on the floor. We had to stop the rehearsal. Yeah. Because you, I don't think I ever really mourned for him. Yeah. And and it just, like a wave, went over me. Yeah. It was it was, 
that I'm glad it wasn't during during a, a show. Uh, but I had some people, a couple of young men, walk out mm. of the show because it was too close to their life. Not yeah. because they didn't enjoy, it, but it was too close to yeah. their life. Yeah, painful. And um, and I the one of the shows, a woman in uh, about four rows back, sobbing so loud I could hear her. Uh, I wanted to go and hug her, yeah. but I had to keep going. Yeah. It was a touching thing to me. It was a good thing I did. Mm-hmm. Good thing. And uh, my mother's, when my mother died, uh, yeah, that that was very emotional. And it was it, emotionally on stage, it, the emotion came back. It so definitely did. It wasn't, uh, I didn't just do lines. No. It was real. Yeah. It, like I said, even in that small piece that I saw, you know, it tugged at, you know, and I'm not even watching it live. Mm-hmm. The emotion of mm-hmm. it came out and it tugged at my heart as well. So I would imagine, you know, doing this, you know, 30 or more times. I think everybody should write a one man show. Yeah. Write, don't, you don't have to perform it. Cathartic. Write it. Right. Because, you know, things opened up, my mind opened up to things that I totally washed away or pushed back. Right doing it one thing to another one thing to another until you you really can you have to tell the truth when you do a one-man show or or your your biography but you also it opens up what you've done and i think everybody should write it down now that's good i like that your popularity grew as darcel not just word of mouth but also because you are a part of our community I mean, you are uh, raising awareness in the early days for AIDS. Oh, yes. And yeah. you are doing community we service raised, and fundraisers. Fundraisers for our friends with AIDS to make them comfortable. There right. was no, no, there was no, no even pills to take. It was just, and the government did nothing. Yep. But now that if a, a virus hits us, you don't hear about it in a week, do you? No. This virus is still going. Exactly. But we do have we have two friends that are living are living with AIDS now with the with the, the pills yeah. they can live with the, with the cocktail. Yeah, the the changes that have happened in not just Portland but society as a whole um, that you've lived through from the '60s to now in acceptance of LGBT mm-hmm. community our our community members. Could you ever imagine when you started, let's say, bought Demas, that forty years later, oh, fifty no. years you, later, no. you hadn't, you can't, you can't, you can't. I, who could believe? Right. Uh, right after I bought the Tavern Stonewall, yeah. happened in London. I mean, in in New York, yeah. when they when they uh, arrested and beat up the, the the drag queens. Yeah. We we were we were closeted in the club. Mm-hmm. We didn't go out on the street. But there got were laws. ready there. We got yeah, we got ready there, yep. and we stayed there, and then then wa- walked out, jeans on. The the change is so, well, more than three hundred and sixty degrees. I mean, yeah. it's it's and it uh, hasn't all been forward. There have been steps back. Oh, and stepping backward and stepping forward. Right, and stepping right. Backward. So it's not all progress being made. At, N- no, yeah. but we've made a lot of steps forward. Yeah, and we never stopped. Right, right. Kept on pushing. Do you never stop? Do you hear, because you have folks not only as Darcel but as Walter, in our our city and in our community, ever ask you about, you know, what it was like growing up, 
Yes. I, oh, to yes. To get advice yeah. and, yes. and and that sort of thing. And uh, yes, I I'm at interviews and yeah. that sort of thing. Yes, there, it's it's a. Um, it's it's a wonderful thing that we can take these steps forward. Yeah. But we have to remember that all it would take is a change in the Supreme Court man and we could be set back a long way. Absolutely. And that's why I tell I've I did, we talked to about 4000 people at Peacock in the Park Sunday and told them vote. Just register and vote. Mm -hmm. Because you know. I didn't tell them who to vote for. Right. I just register and vote. We have to vote. Because they don't have the experience that you've gone through. You know, they have had to overcome uh, in their own lives coming out and facing those things. Yes, of course. Of course. But not the societal. Not um, the the, uh, stones and verbal whatever at you. Uh, and, And we build it up and now. They have to keep fighting. It's a ongoing fight. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is one person in there that's that's against gay and gay marriage, and gay marriage is a thrill for me. And they come in the club, and I I, I get emotional because they come into the club, and they have their uh, uh, two boys or two girls, mm-hmm. and they have the bachelor party. And I go, oh, I hug them because we work so hard for that. Yeah. Roxy and I never married because we didn't think we we had 50 years together we didn't think we had to worry about <laughs> marriage life. but but it's 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 it embraced the world now and, and and I I also warned the young ones I said oh we're getting married and I said remember it's a legal <laughs> document you're not you can't take the 9 by 12 rug and cut it up in, into hall runners right. and walk away. <laughs> There's more to it than that. Yep, it's a commitment. But it's, it's, it's marvelous. And many, many friends, uh, uh, we've had celebrated their wedding. Yeah. But during the AIDS crisis, many, many people, every week we would, uh, I'd go to a memorial and have to and talk. Finally, I, I had to turn them down because it was tearing me apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so the joy is now. The joy is now. Well, and all that charitable work. I mean, you were given uh, Heroes of HIV Award for that charitable work a few years back, um, and you haven't stopped. You're still, no. you're no, still, we're still fighting. Yeah, absolutely, fighting to keep the ground we've got. Yeah. Eight years ago, you were the Grand Marshal of the Portland Rose Festival Starlight Parade, and you I received know. the city that was spirit so much of Portland fun. Award. I, and I, I made a dress that lit up. I had, uh, did you really? I had battery operated lights all over it, so when we rode along. Yeah, that was, was very thrilling. That was well. You are, you are an ambassador to Portland. You're a Portland icon, and I don't know how you feel about that title, but you are. You are part I of. I appreciate hearing appreciation. Yeah. See, and if and if it if it comes out as idle, uh, institution, they lock people up in them. But institution, <laughs> uh, it, that's appreciate what the work we've done. Right. When we were doing the work, it was necessary work. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, well, I'm going to end up being an icon. Right. It's not, you weren't it, looking at it, that. No, it was a dedication work to what we were doing and, and human rights and the whole, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. You have a uh, pageant that you do, uh, La Femme Magnifique. La Femme Magnifique. Yes. This is our 37th year, yes. I think. And we have uh, a week from Sunday, the, the, yeah. Well, the date is sept- it's 
eight. Is it July eighth? Oh no, yeah, is it in September? July, July, yeah. July is our Oregon pageant at the club, and then we pick two people to go to the international at the convention center here on September second. Okay, and it's not a beauty pageant. This is no, it's glamour. Exactly, it has nothing to do with beauty. Exactly, it has to do with. How, how you do it. Presenting yourself right. and how you've That's right. created who. And also, you have to be a female impersonator. Yeah. You can't be in, in transition. You can't be taking horno, hormones. Right. Um, it's strictly female impersonator. Yeah. And you, like we mentioned earlier, you are still doing six shows. Uh, six shows a week. A week. Four nights. No, let's see. One on, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. Thursday mm-hmm. and two on Friday and two on Saturday. And you love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I in fact, I'm, I uh, had a little setback and just, you know, and I felt funny. I mm. didn't, wasn't sick, but I just felt so. But you know what? Mm-hmm. When you get ready and you hit that stage and that audience goes at you, yeah. you don't re- think of a thing that might be wrong with you. You love it. It's true. It's a, he- it's a great medicine. My doctor said we could bottle that. I said I wish. <laughs> and your son, he works at the bar. He works at the bar. Yeah, he's been married for thirty years. So your family is involved, and and I have a great granddaughter now. And that's right. She's part of Darcells as well. She is part of your organization there. Uh, well, no, no, my is, great granddaughter is a baby. Oh, you have a great granddaughter. Yeah, now. great. I have my two granddaughters. Well, she was she waited tables with us for a long time, that's but now right. she's going to get married in Tennessee. But my grand, my two grand, I have two grand, I have a daughter, her husband, my wife and my, and my son and his wife, both the girls now are married, the granddaughters, and my one granddaughter had, she, the baby's nine months old. That's she looks fantastic. just like me, she's pretty. Beautiful. <laughs> Looking back, I mean, 50, 51 years now for Darcel's 15, and the life that you have lived, what would you tell yourself, your younger self, you know, when you were in high school? You were a bookish young man. I would imagine struggling with, well, I can't imagine. All kinds of inside things. I was shy. I would never go to a party late because I didn't want to walk into a room full of people. I went to the party early. Yeah. Um, I never always sat in the back of the room. I spent a lot of years losing out mm-hmm. because I was so shy, cloistered, you know, back. So about 17, I decided, wait a minute, you know, this is stupid. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. You got to get out. So I for- forced myself to the front of the room. Yeah. Literally. And 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 I wouldn't make I wouldn't cha- make one change in my life. Mm-hmm. I, but you know you kind of look back and say, well, it, I wish I'd have done. No, what I did, uh, uh, what I did builds up to now. Right. And everything I've done has been a positive thing for me, mm-hmm. and hopefully for other people. I think it has been. I think it has been because when you are out in public, whether it's at Darcel fifteen whether it is, you know, part of the Rose Festival Parade, whether you are out, you know, at an event, when you are dressed as Darcel, people smile. People are they happy. Do. It, do. You know, and so you bring joy not just to the LGBT community, 
Oh, that's right. No, but yeah. to Portland as a whole, yeah. because you are beloved. You come by to all Portland. You buy voodoo donuts right. and you go to Dart's house. Right, that's <laughs> what that you simple. do. There are certain <laughs> points that you hit yeah. um, and you are part of it. And so that's why I'm very uh, grateful that you could come in today and talk to, talk to me. And I know if I ask you what's in the future for Walter Cole, it's to get up on stage as long as you possibly can. As long as I can. Exactly. As long as I can. And, and I think everyone in Portland is hoping that is as long as, as I long can. as possible. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Thank in you today. very much. Thank you, darling. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Walter Cole. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating King's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.